0: You ever been among greatness and didn't really realize it? Recently, a D.C. cab driver named Sam Snow um, had a moment where he was in the presence of greatness and didn't didn't even realize it. Uh, The passengers had already gotten into his cab and uh, it just happened that He was a big football fan and NFL fan. So he mentioned to his passengers uh, that he was a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Uh, And and he said, but even though I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, my all-time favorite player is Broncos legend John Elway. Some of you all grew up watching him uh, like I did. (laughs) Well, one of the passengers in the back said, hey, uh, Sam, you think you might ever recognize Elway if you 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 ever happen to meet him? (laughs) Sam, of course, thought, it was a weird question. Uh, so he turned around and guess who he saw sitting in the back seat? Uh, Elway happened to be in D.C. Uh, for the presidential inauguration uh, and was, in fact, writing in his own back seat. <laughs> he was in the presence of greatness the whole time and didn't even realize it. And don't worry, yes, they snapped a selfie. They got a picture and um, Sam had his moment with legend John Elway. Um, After he chastised Elway, uh, if you know football any, for for him beating his Steelers so many times in the playoffs. The Pharisees, in our passage, had an Elway in the backseat kind of moment here in Luke 17. They had an opportunity to recognize the Messiah for who he really was and what he had been claiming the whole time. But they missed it. They missed the moment. Jump in at Luke 17, verse 20. We're going to give some running running commentary real quick for the first couple uh, verses and then make a a pretty major point before we move on uh, into verses 22 and following. So it says this, verse 20. Here's their Elway in the back seat moment. Being asked by the Pharisees, in other words, the Jewish religious leaders, uh, they were asking, by the way, because they were watching Jesus very closely because Jesus had come claiming to be the Messiah, the anointed one from God who was going to begin the kingdom of God here on earth, that he was going to establish what they had been waiting for, for many, many hundreds, if not actually thousands of years. In the Old Testament, they had been anticipating the coming of the Messiah, but there was a lot of speculation about uh, different times or ways uh, that the kingdom was going to come. So that's why they asked, and that's why Luke says, being asked by the Pharisees, verse 20, when the kingdom of God would come. Notice they're asking a timing question. He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. He says it doesn't come visually. There's not going to be these signs in the sky. It's not being announced with a plane that has a banner behind it. Uh, there are not going to be smoke signals, no posts on social media. There's not going to be media coverage as we think about it. So the Pharisees asked, So when is this going to come? Uh, crazy man Jesus, at least from their perspective. They were testing him. Uh, they genuinely wanted to know. They genuinely wanted to know, but they were testing him here. And uh, so they say, They say, when's it going to come? He says, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Verse 21, nor will they say, look, there it is, or look, here it is. You're not going to be able to point it out like a normal earthly kingdom uh, that we're all used to. But here's the kicker. The kicker, Jesus says, uh, the reason why they won't be able to see it isn't because no one can see it. It isn't because it isn't perceptible at all. The reason why Jesus is saying this this way to them is because they aren't seeing it, listen, they aren't seeing it at that very moment. The kingdom, Jesus says, isn't it observable in the ways that you assume that your traditions teach you, that you think you're going to be able to, to notice and recognize because this, keep reading, because this is awesome, this is so Jesus. <laughs> For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's among you here today, Jesus says, because, as he's talking with the Pharisees, I, the Messiah, have come. (laughs) And I am telling you about the kingdom here and now. And you Pharisees, you Pharisees cannot recognize the kingdom. You can't see it because you don't recognize me. Now here's why they missed it. They had thought, and the Pharisees their Jewish traditions and their interpretations of the scriptures and and even most of the disciples, they'd been brought up to believe that God was going to come and he was going to rule from an earthly political throne like they had known and, and some of their ancestors had experienced and like was already established on the earth around them. They were hoping for a Messiah who would take up the sword, who would lead them to reestablish this worldly and this political dominance for the kingdom of Israel. Hashtag make Israel great again. Thank you. Think about it. Who doesn't want, who doesn't want an all-good and an all-powerful king with a capital K to come and take care of you? Everybody everybody answers, yes, that's what I want. That's what I want. But what they didn't understand was this fundamentally important thing that Jesus is here trying to correct in them. God's rule and reign always was, currently is, and always will be a spiritually established rule and reign. This is meaty theological goodness here, by the way. We're going to put this on screen for you if you want to take notes here in just a second. God's rule and reign always was, it currently is, and it always will be a spiritually established rule and reign. It has practical consequences for sure, but right now he's correcting some of their, uh, their imbalances and misunderstandings. So during this series, we're going to put this up here for you. This is how we're defining the kingdom of God in this series. The kingdom of God is the spiritually established rule and reign of God The kingdom of God is the spiritually established rule and reign of God for all times and places by which, meaning the kingdom of God is his rule and reign, by which he restores fallen creation to himself. The kingdom of God is how he has relationship with people. (laughs) That's how he restores creation to himself. It has already begun, uh, but it is not fully finished. And we'll see that in our passage moving forward here. Jesus is saying, it began, I'm here to establish it more fully, and it's going to be consummated, finished, fully realized later on down the road. Which means we're talking about the past, the present, and the future. And so it gets a little confusing in this passage moving forward. We'll try to help you make sense of it here as we move forward. Look at this in verses 22 and following here. He said to the disciples, The days are coming, meaning in the future, when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. You're going to want to recognize the days of the Son of Man. And that phrase there, the days of the Son of Man, is Jewish code language for uh, the second coming. That's the return of Christ when He finishes all the work that God had started and the new heavens and the new earth are recreated and His fullness and glory are here on full display And His people live with Him forever. So this is Jewish code language for that day. So Jesus says, The days are coming when you will want to see, you'll want to recognize one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it, He says, because even though you'll be hoping for My return in the second coming, I won't be here because I'm going to soon return to the Father. There's an in-between time. And so He says, When that happens, verse 23 when that happens, when you want to see the days of the Son of Man, you won't see it, they will say to you, the proverbial they there, they will say to you, verse 23, look there or look here. Everybody's going to be up in arms, claiming it's the end of the world. Uh, Everybody's going to be looking for the signs that they didn't see in the first place because they didn't recognize me. Everybody's going to be looking for the signs they didn't see in the first place uh, because they didn't recognize me. Do not go out or follow them. (laughs) When everybody's up in arms, sure that they know, do not go out or follow them. He says, remember, follow me as you already can. He's speaking to the Pharisees and the disciples at this point. As you already can because I'm here. And as you will be able to even then, because I'll still be here in the hearts of my people after the Holy Spirit comes, you can follow me. But even after then, after I'm gone, don't get caught up in this look here, look there kind of thing. Look at verse 24 and following. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side of uh, of it to the other, in the same way that the lightning flashes that's controlled by God the Father alone and not mankind who don't know those kinds of things, so will the Son of Man be in His day. It will be like that. It will be like the flashes in ways that only God the Father controls when I come back at the end of all time to reclaim fully God's spiritual kingdom. But first, he's talking about the in-between time here now, but first I return at the end of all time, but first he must suffer many things on the cross and be rejected by this generation. So there's this in-between time after he dies, returns to the Father before he comes back. There's this in-between time where he says, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to be rejected. And we're going to come back to the in-between time in a bit here because that's the part the disciples need to hear about. and That's the part we need to hear about. But (laughs) he shifts to the second coming again at verse 26. Look at this. It says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man this is Jewish code for the second coming. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Things were going on like normal when to their surprise judgment came. Verse 28, likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, burying and selling, planting and building, going on just like normal as he had just said. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, judgment happened. Fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all so will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Revealed then when he returns. But he's also saying, I'm already here, and you can't see me now. What makes you think you're going to be ready then? He says, on that day, let the one who was on the housetop with his goods in the house... Not come down to take them away, and likewise let the one who was in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. In other words, don't turn back and look longingly for the life that leads to death. Now there's a lot of confusing stuff that can be back and forth here. So, so Jesus is saying this, let me just summarize this here. Uh, as a statement for the disciples and for us, with regard to what to do in the meantime, and this is the summary of what Jesus has just said here, as a result of all this that I've just told you, Jesus says, now that you know that the kingdom of God is here because I'm here, and that the kingdom of God will be here even when I'm not here, and that the kingdom of God will be here when I return, verse 33, this is the principle that applied to them and to us. Whoever seeks to preserve his life now will lose it then. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. In effect, friends, the coming of the kingdom of God changes everything. And Jesus is asking us, In verse 33. And this is a good question for us today, friends. Whose kingdom are you trying to establish in the in-between time after I'm gone and before I return? Whose kingdom is your life trying to establish after I'm gone and before I return? In the meantime... When we are here. Are you trying to establish your own security in a kingdom where you are king? Or are you being subject to the authority of the only king who's worthy of the title of king? We could, we could apply this to every, every area of our lives, friends. Is your behavior? Are your words? Do your personal interactions show that you are subject to a king who is worthy of the title? Does your use of your resources, does your wallet, do do your gifts, do your talents, do the things that you have that you call yours, that are actually all tools for the sake of the kingdom, are those reflecting the truth that God is King, capital K, and that all creation is His and is meant to be used for His glory? That's the question for all of us. Jesus is here in Luke <laughs> telling us this kingdom always has been, is being, and will be established with a spiritual rule of the Holy Spirit changing people's lives. Jesus is present today among the body of Christ. He's saying, I'm here now. And when I'm gone, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Teacher, is going to lead you, the people of God, to be the presence of the Kingdom on earth. A whole bunch of people will say, look, it's over there. Look, it's over there. Don't listen to them. It's here. So in the meantime, in the in-between time, if you don't recognize it now, you won't enjoy it then just like Jesus said to the Pharisees. So the question is, how do, we, how do we continue to learn to recognize it now? How do we learn to recognize the kingdom of God now? This is an important question. Because we're not as different from the Pharisees as we'd like to think. I mean, We think we recognize the kingdom of God in ways that can be observed. We think the kingdom of God is found in people who, who look together or have gained a certain level of success or, or respectability or, or even knowledge in, in kingdom things. How do you learn to recognize this spiritual kingdom that is God establishing Himself in the world? I'd like to suggest... There are many ways we can answer this question. But I think one simple answer that you can learn to recognize the kingdom of God is to become intimately involved in the body of Christ. Everybody's sure they can see it without getting involved in the body of Christ that makes people new through His Spirit. No, you can't. Because the body of Christ is the current biblical representation of the kingdom of God on earth. That's just Bible. <laughs> it's that simple. You cannot see it or recognize or get a feel for what God is doing in this spiritually established kingdom that always has been, that is being, and will be forever forever. Contrary to all other kingdoms, you cannot see or recognize or get a feel for what God is doing in the kingdom. You cannot begin to understand how it works if you are not close enough to the people who are being changed by His Spirit. Are we preaching yet? Everybody thinks they can see it by themselves. No, you can't. I can't. It takes being intimately involved with the people of God and seeing the work of God in the hearts of people, moving through His Spirit, establishing His kingdom in people, spiritually. That's where God's Spirit moves and does His work in the hearts of people who are being regenerated and made new. In just a moment, we're going to invite you to take a a step toward (laughs) that kind of involvement. Um, We're going to sing together about how Jesus is a king. (laughs) And we'd like to invite you into that kind of experience. And we believe, we believe that you can see that Jesus is king for the people who are assembled here today. We don't do that perfectly. No one does. But we do it as witnesses whose lives show the truth that God's kingdom is still being established. And if you sense during that time that we're singing, if you sense the Lord leading you to respond today, there are a few ways to do that. Uh, If you need to identify with Christ in the waters of baptism, that's a way that you can say this old self (laughs) is dead. Because it's not working for me to understand who God is as King. And I die to that. I go under the water and I die to that old self to be raised to new life in Christ. That is a life that is being made new because of the spiritual work of God in you. Maybe if you're a baptized believer in Christ, you need a church home. You need to become more involved in seeing how the kingdom is working through people's hearts. We invite you to that, to commit to the church as a member, is how we say that to be a part, a piece of the larger body of Christ. If you just need to begin a conversation <laughs> with us, with God, about what that looks like, questions you may have, um, if you need to be praying about these things in your life, if, if you're not sure what your relationship with God looks like, I uh, would love to begin that conversation with you, to pray with you, um, whatever that means for where you are in your walk with God. Um, so we want to invite you forward. Uh, In just a moment, as we stand and as we sing together. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted; you were condemned alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing, Lord, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me?